minister and give his life a ransom for many. And that's Mark 10 and verse 45. How thankful we can be that Christ was willing to come and give himself as he did so that we might have forgiveness of sins and so that we might look forward to a home in heaven after our life here on earth. We all know, beyond a shadow of a doubt, that this life is temporary. And uh, it gets more temporary for some of us, Joe, as we go along, doesn't it? <laughs> we need to realize the importance of that because the Bible teaches our life is like a vapor that appears for a little time and then vanishes away, James 4 and verse 14. But turn with me to 1 Corinthians 15 for a minute. <clears throat> we have some things given to us here to help us understand a little more about what the gospel is. In 1 Corinthians 15, verse 1, he says, Moreover, brethren, I declare unto you the gospel, which I preached unto you, which also you have received, and wherein you stand, by which also you are saved, if you keep in memory what I preached unto you, unless you have believed in vain. For I delivered unto you, first of all, that which I also received, how that Christ died for our sins, according to the Scriptures, and that he was buried, and that he rose again the third day, according to the Scriptures. There's the Gospel. The death, burial, and resurrection of Christ. After that, he was seen of above 500 brethren at once, of whom the greater part remain unto this present, but some are fallen asleep. After that, he was seen of James, then of all the apostles, and last of all, he was seen of me, the Apostle Paul. Also is one of, of one born out of due time. For I am the least of the apostles, that am not made to be called an apostle, because I persecuted the church. You know, that, that bothered Paul more than anything. The fact that he had persecuted the church. But he was so thankful for the gospel, and for the fact that through that gospel, he had been saved and he looked forward to home in heaven. And see, we have that same privilege today. When we obey the gospel, when we live by the gospel, we look forward to living with God eternally in heaven. And that's what this life is all about. It's a time to prepare for heaven. So the gospel, the death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. He gave himself for us. That's the kind of love God has manifested to us and shown us in giving Christ to die for us. Well, where did the gospel come from? Let's look at a couple of verses. It came from God. That's section 2, verse A there, on our letter A on your outline. Paul, a servant of Jesus Christ, called to be an apostle, separated unto the gospel of God, Romans 1.1. 1, 1. Now let's turn over to Galatians chapter 1. The Bible gives us so much information to impress upon us what God has done in giving the gospel to us. In Galatians chapter 1, uh, let's start with the first verse. Paul, an apostle, not of men, neither by men, 
but by Jesus Christ and God the Father who raised him from the dead and all the brethren which are with me under the churches of Galatia. Grace be to you, peace from God the Father and from our Lord Jesus Christ who gave himself for our sins that he might deliver us from the, this present evil world according to the will of God and our Father to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. I marvel that you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of Christ unto another gospel, which is not another. But there be some that trouble you and would pervert the gospel of Christ. But though we, or an angel from heaven, preach any other gospel unto you than that which we have preached unto you, let him be accursed. As we said before, so say I now again, if any man preach any other gospel unto you, and that ye have received, let him be accursed. <clears throat> we'll be looking a little bit further down at some of the things that are transpiring today and what men are saying. But we've got to forget about what men say and look to see what God says. Because what God says is what's important. It's what counts. So the gospel came from God. And it is the gospel of Jesus Christ. His death, burial, and resurrection, that which he did for us, that we each one might have salvation and live eternally in heaven. <clears throat> if you look at uh, 3B on your outline there, it po points out, uh, but we are bound to give thanks always to God for you, brethren, beloved of the Lord, because God hath from the beginning chosen you to salvation through sanctification of the Spirit and believe the truth. Whereunto he called you by our gospel to the obtaining of the glory of our Lord Jesus Christ. The gospel is God's calling power. It's through the gospel that we learn what God did for us in giving Christ to die on the cross for us. And we need to, need to appreciate that. Paul said there in 2b, Furthermore, when I came to Troas to preach Christ's gospel, and a door was opened to me of the Lord. He went about preaching Christ's gospel. And that gospel still needs to be preached today. That's a problem so many times today where people have quit preaching the gospel and started preaching their own ideas rather than what the Bible teaches. I appreciate so much Preston and the good lessons he's presented to us, and he makes that point very clear, that we've got to turn to God. We've got to listen to Him. The gospel is His power to salvation, we'll notice. <clears throat> so being called by the gospel. Now, many times people hear the gospel, but they never believe it or they never obey it. Turn with me to Second Thessalonians chapter 1. It's amazing to me that we have so much scripture dealing with all these things that people can read this and not understand the significance of what they're reading. But in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, he points out very clearly here 
Let me see if I can get my pages to turn. My Bible's wearing out and the pages stick together. <laughs> Guess I'm about to give up and get me a Bible. Second Thessalonians chapter 1. Look at verse 6. Seeing it is a righteous thing with God to recompense tribulation to them that trouble you. And to you who are troubled, rest with us when the Lord Jesus shall be revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. Now, there's a point right there. Christ is coming again. Now, he's not coming back to this earth. But he's coming again to receive those who will be live in obedience to it. So then, he goes on here to say, he's coming in verse 8, in flaming fire, this explains exactly how he's going to come, in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God, and that obey not the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. Some people hear and hear and hear, and never obey. Ken, didn't you have a man over at that uh, where you used to preach like that and had been listening to the gospel for years and never obeyed it. Didn't you have a man over there like that? I was thinking you did. And I've seen that so many times. <laughs> People that have heard the gospel over and over and yet never obey. Now look at the difference that is made right here Christ is coming in flaming fire, taking vengeance on them that know not God and that obey not the gospel. If people refuse to obey, and sometimes they do, but when they refuse to obey, they're sealing their own destiny. They're just guaranteed the fact that they can't go to heaven. They will not be able to go to heaven. And you listen to people talk today and you hear people over and over talking about, oh, everybody's going to heaven. It's just not true. Only those who obey the gospel will be able to go to heaven. And that's exactly what he's saying here. Now, what's going to happen to them? Verse 9. Who shall be punished? with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord. There's a point. Never to be in God's presence. Look at all the things we enjoy in this life because of God. We've got a comfortable place here to meet, worship, to study. God's made all that possible. And we need to realize that. But for those who refuse to obey, going to be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord and the glory of His power. When He shall come, and here again, making point very clearly that He's coming again. When He shall come to be glorified in His saints and to be admired in all them that believe, because our testimony among you was believed in that day. Wherefore also we pray always for you that our God would count you worthy of this calling and fulfill all the good pleasure of his goodness and the work of faith with power 
that the name of our Lord Jesus Christ may be glorified in you and ye him according to the grace of God and the Lord Jesus Christ. So the Bible is very plain. You can't get any plain that. Those who refuse to obey the gospel will be eternally lost. They'll be punished. <coughs> Pardon me. They'll be punished with everlasting destruction from the presence of God. Can't be with him. Now, in section four here on your outline, this is very important. The true gospel can be perverted and cause people to be led astray. Go back to Galatians 1. It's just amazing to me that people can read these things and not understand or at least not accept what's being set forth. Galatians 1, <clears throat> beginning with verse 1. Paul an apostle, not of men, neither by man, but by Jesus Christ and God the Father, who raised him from the dead, and all the brethren which are with me under the churches of Galatia. Grace be to you, peace from God the Father, and from our Lord Jesus Christ, who gave himself for our sins, that he might deliver us from this present evil world, according to the will of God and our Father, to whom be glory forever and ever. Amen. Now watch you at verse 6. I marvel. I'm simply amazed is what he's saying here. That you are so soon removed from him that called you into the grace of God unto another gospel. And that's where the great difficulty is. How many times have you heard people say, you don't have to be baptized to be saved. I used to have a radio program when I preached over in Cowan, Tennessee. And, of course, I preached the gospel on that radio program. And a denominational preacher had a program. He came on after I was on one time, and he said, people get on this radio station, and they talk about baptism and how you have to be baptized in order to be saved. And he said, baptism has not one what to do with your salvation. And he was very emphatic about it. So <laughs> I went on uh, the radio in the next program after that, and I quoted 1 Peter 3.21. The like figure run to baptism doth also now save us. I read that, that verse. And I, I simply said, some men get here on the radio station and say you don't have to be baptized to be saved. But God says you do. Whose word are you going to take? Will you take these men's word? Or will you take God's word? And I read it again. <laughs> he never did get back on the radio and say anything else about it. <laughs> that stopped that altogether. <laughs> but it, it is made clear here that the gospel can be perverted and that's being done so many times today 
in 1 Peter 321 is right there on your outline at 4D. The like figure one to even baptism doth also now save us, not the putting away of the filth of the flesh, but the answer of a good conscience toward God by the resurrection of Jesus Christ. So baptism saves us, Peter says. And since everything he wrote came from God, that's what God says. And we need to realize that. Now, we have this great example in Acts 2. When the people on the day of Pentecost heard the great sermon preached on the day of Pentecost, and when they asked, Men and brethren, what shall we do? They got an answer. And the answer was right there on your, at E, for E on your outline, repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the remission of sins, and you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost. That's Acts 2 and verse 38. Was their question answered? Men and brethren, what shall we do? Repent and be baptized. And that's just as applicable to you and I today as it was to those people on the day of Pentecost. And if we're going to have a home in heaven, we've got to do that. Now notice that 4F on your outline. When one is baptized... He or she is baptized into the death of Christ. Notice the scripture. Know you not that so many of us as were baptized into Jesus Christ were baptized into his death. Therefore, we're buried with him by baptizing him into death that like as Christ was raised up from the dead by the glory of the Father, even so we also should walk in newness of life. Romans 6 verses 3 and 4. Now then, <clears throat> where did Christ shed his blood? When did he shed it? On the cross. When? After his death. He shed his blood, which is the only thing that can take away sins. Water doesn't take away our sins. My uncle, I used to, have round and round with him about what the Bible teaches. And he was a member of a religious denomination and very involved in it. And uh, he said, there you go again, preaching that water can save you. I said, Edgar, you have never heard me say that water saves you. The blood of Christ saves. And without the blood of Christ, you can't have forgiveness of sins. And the only way to contact the blood of Christ is through being baptized into his death where he shed his blood. And that's exactly what Paul's talking about in Romans 6, verses 3 and 4. So then, we need to understand that many times today people are perverting the gospel. They're teaching things that are contrary to what the Bible reveals. Now, Another area, look at section 5 there. The gospel is perverted when the worship to God is not in spirit and in truth. And there's John 4.24, which very plainly states, God is a spirit, and they that worship him must worship him 
in spirit and in truth. That's John 4, 24. People today have perverted the gospel. I've talked to a number of people over the years. Oh, instrumental music is all right. God didn't say we couldn't use it. No, he didn't. But he did tell us what we are to do. And that's the thing we have to remember. There it is. The scripture plainly teaches, speaking to yourselves in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody in your heart to the Lord. That's Ephesians 5 verse 19. What did he say we're to do? Sing. Did he say sing and play? No. He said sing, making melody where? In your heart. In your heart. So the command is very plain. When it comes to worship, we're to sing. And those who are coming along today and adding an instrument to that are perverting the gospel. And how sad that is. Because it's going to cause a lot of people to be lost. <clears throat> then the other verse there, Colossians 3.16, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Colossians 3 and verse 16. Now, <clears throat> we've studied recently about the value of the Old Testament. <clears throat> Turn with me to the book of Leviticus. Leviticus chapter 10. <clears throat> We're told about two men here. Nadab and Abihu. And Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, and they were priests because they were sons of Aaron, took either of him his censure and put fire therein and incense thereon and offered, what's the wording? Strange fire before the Lord, which he commanded them not. There's where the great difficulty is. If we're going to please God, we must obey Him. When it comes to our worship, we must worship Him according to that which He set forth in the Word. And it's important that we not pervert that. Turn over to Leviticus 16 a minute. Look at verse 12. Well, let's start with verse 11. And Aaron shall bring the bullock of the sin offering, which is for himself, and shall make an atonement for himself and for his house, and shall kill the bullock of the sin offering, which is for himself. And he shall, make, uh, he shall take a censer full of burning coals of fire wherefrom from the altar which continuously burned that's where the fire was to come from and his hands full of sweet incense beaten small and bring it within the veil now go back to Leviticus 10 the great difficulty here 
when Nadab and Abihu went against God, they offered a strange fire, which he commanded them not. And look at verse 2. And there went out fire from the Lord and devoured them, and they died before the Lord. Now remember, we're told in the New Testament, whatsoever things were written aforetime were written for our learning. God has given us these things in the Old Testament, tell about these things, and we can see what happens when people ignore God. And that's exactly what Nadab and Abihu did. They didn't care where he said to get the, get the fire. They offered a strange fire. And as a result, fire went out from the Lord and devoured them. Now the Lord doesn't work that way today. But he's told us that there is a day coming when he will take vengeance against them that obey not God. And so, we can look at these things and receive the lesson that God gives us and know the importance of doing what God said do because He is God and we're to obey Him. We're to do what He says. And when we don't, we have great difficulty because Christ is coming, and when he comes, he's going to take vengeance on those that do not know God and that do not obey the gospel. And worship to God must be in spirit and in truth, and unless we do practice it in spirit and truth, then we're going to have vengeance when God comes, when Christ comes. Now, Strange or unauthorized fire. That was the great difficulty. It was not what God authorized. And when it comes to our worship today, when we come along and add an instrument, God didn't authorize that. It's unauthorized. It's strange fire. And when we begin to offer that to God, He will not accept it. Because... Is unauthorized. Dan, uh, Kathy. Matthew 7, Not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. It's plain, doesn't it? We've got to do the will of God in order to have a home in heaven. And so that's why it's so important that we understand these things. And we've got another thing going on today. In some places in the Lord's church, well, we're going to make things convenient. We'll have the Lord's Supper on Thursday night or Friday night or Saturday night. What has God authorized? Upon the first day of the week. Does it make any difference? Yes, it does. Because God has said upon the first day of the week. That's when we're to partake of the Lord's Supper. And when we move it to another time, what have we done? 
We have perverted the gospel of Christ. We've gone against what God teaches. And we'd be a sad, sad situation on the day that Christ comes. So then, strange fire cost Nadab and Abihu their lives. God burned them up. He's not going to burn us up like that. But he's going to cast us away if we pervert the gospel, refuse to live by it, refuse to obey it, then we can rest assured we'll be lost. We'll be eternally separated from God. I know that we can't really picture eternity because everything in this life is temporary. It's hard sometimes for us to see that. But Joe and I both can tell you we're getting on the short end of the stick, aren't we, Joe? Yeah. And so it's important that we stay in obedience to the gospel, that we obey the gospel the way that the Bible teaches we're to obey it, and when, we, when it comes to our worship and service to God, all things must be as set forth in the gospel. And when God gave us all these things in the Old Testament, those things help us. Bobby, I think you taught on this. Uh, those things help us to understand the importance of doing what God says do and doing it like God says do it because he's God he's the creator he's the one who made us and he has every right to tell us exactly what he wants and he's done so and so that's the thing we have to remember now Romans 1.16 makes it very plain that the gospel is God's power to salvation. That's Romans 1 and verse 16. And so then one obeys the gospel by hearing God's word. Romans 10 verse 17. One must believe in Jesus Christ as the Son of God. John 8 verse 24 makes that plain. And one must repent. I, Christ said, I tell you nay, but except ye repent, ye shall all likewise perish. Now let me, let me just stop here a minute on this matter of repentance. Go with me to 1 John chapter 1. 1 John chapter 1. We're all weak human beings, and sometimes we make mistakes. But God loved us so much that he has even provided for that. And I love 1 John chapter 1 and what he's setting forth here for the Christian. And this is, this is what Christians need to understand. If I can ever get over here to it. 1 John chapter 1. <clears throat> Look down to uh, verse 5. This then is the message 
which we have heard of him and declare unto you that God is light and in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanseth us from all sin. If we say that we have no sin, we deceive ourselves, and the truth is not in us. If we confess our sins, he's faithful and just to forgive us our sins and cleanse us from all unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar. His word is, is not in us. Now, since God's word is truth, and since he's told us very plainly, if you do not obey the gospel, you're going to be lost. You'll be eternally separated from God. You'll be in eternal punishment. So if I just say, well, I don't believe that. I don't think that's necessary. I don't think baptism is necessary. Don't talk to me about being baptized. I've had people tell me that. But folks, it's sad. It hurts when people talk like that because they're saying, you just go ahead and ignore God and do what you want to do, and you'll be all right. And that's false doctrine. That's a perverted gospel. And how we need to understand and appreciate the fact that we must do what God says. Now, in the conclusion there, that B, says, after one's initial obedience to the gospel, one must live by the gospel. Only let your conversation, that word conversation means way of life, be as it becometh the gospel of Christ, that whether I come and see you or else be absent, I may hear of your affairs, that you stand fast in one spirit, with one mind, striving together for the faith of the gospel. Philippians one twenty seven. So then, it's totally necessary that people obey the gospel. And after obeying the gospel initially, by being baptized into Christ for remission of sins, then it's a matter of living by the gospel. Living by what the Bible teaches that we might be pleasing to God. Well, I don't know how it could be any plainer than what God has set forth for us. I don't think there's anything that's hard to be understood if we'll just accept what God says. And so when it comes to initial obedience, one must come to Christ. One must believe in Christ as the Son of God. One must repent, make up his mind. He won't live in sin anymore, but that he'll be obedient to God. You'll live by the gospel. And then live faithfully so that he'll be saved eternally. And when one is baptized into Christ for remission of sins and lives faithfully, he looks forward to living with God eternally in heaven. How thankful we can be for that. Tonight, if you've never obeyed the gospel, we urge you to do that because unless you obey, can't go to heaven. But if you'll come to Christ on His terms, if you do what He says, uh,
believing, repenting of your sins, confessing the name of Christ, and being baptized. That's obeying the gospel. And then if you'll live by it, you can go to heaven. You need to come to Christ, come while we stand and while we sing.